How many of you all here this past weekend? How many of you all the Lord really spoke to you and touched you, brought some revelation? Okay. Um, all week, I had two, two small groups that, that I lead, and every small group had just testimony after testimony of the Lord speaking and moving, and I just thought, man, the Lord really is moving. And, and I, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I was thinking either I'm, and let me, t- again, in, on Friday, our small group, everyone had something to say, had something that they were dealing with the fence about, and I thought either I'm really good at knowing everyone's situation and knowing that they need, need, needed to hear about a fence, or the Holy Spirit is really good at bringing people together who are in similar circumstances and so that he can speak to them as a whole. You see the value of small groups? You see the value of the church coming together? I'm t- I said this earlier, you're not here by accident. It doesn't matter if you, like, oh, no, I chose to come here. Nope. You have, the Lord knew you were going to be here, and he wants to speak specifically to you. This is the value of committing to going to church every week and going to church. If you knew that God was going to speak to a specific situation in your life every time you showed up with the rest of the body of Christ, whether it's here or somewhere else, how many times would you show up? I'll tell you, I, I would want to say with my mind that I would be there every time, but I know that my flesh with what they're going through. I understand that. But after that, it's like that, that, that um, pressure of, oh, you, didn't, you should have said it. Now they missed out. Now they're going to stay in bondage. Now they're not going to come back. They're, gonna, you know, they're not going to go to heaven now. I don't always take it that, that far, but sometimes I, I find myself visiting that place. Well, that night, I, all day, usually I'll, I'll have a thought or two about it or I'll think about it and then I'll let it go. All day I was thinking about that and then I began thinking about some other things I didn't say. I was like, Lord, man, this is crazy. So I started texting. Um, I started, um, not texting, just writing down on my, on my phone just some things that were coming to my mind. And it was like midnight, past midnight. And I, after I was done, I thought the Lord said, Josh, the reason why you didn't think about these things is because you weren't supposed to talk about it today. Because if you had thought about it, you would have said something. But you're not supposed to. You weren't supposed to. So it didn't come to your mind because I want you to talk about it today or the next Sunday today. And I was like, okay. I was like, all right, Lord. I was like, I feel better. I mean, I thought I was losing my mind there for a minute. Like, I, I can't believe you didn't think about that. What's funny is, I'm not going to go into too much of this, but the next day, Something else happened where I should have been able to put two and two together, and I didn't realize it until Tuesday, and it was the same thing. Um, and the Lord said, I don't want you to think about it yesterday. I know you talked about it with some of your friends, and it's like, oh my gosh, duh, this is, this is, is hard to receive, but it is part of our heritage. It's part of what he's given us. I can wake up each day and say, Lord, I know there, I got a big test tomorrow. I got this next week. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to worry about what is in front of me today. It's an amazing thing. So the title of today's message is The Root of Offense, and I'm going to add this to this, to this sermon. I didn't say it at the, uh, at the 9.30, but um, The Root of Offense, Part 2, Receiving Identity. Receiving Identity. We looked at the definition of offense. It's this, upset and hurt or annoyed feelings, often because someone has been rude or shown us no respect. So what happens when we're offended? Somebody says something to us does something to us that hurts our feelings. But what do we learn about feelings? Our thoughts, our thoughts create our feelings. Or how do I say it? Thoughts determine what we feel. So when we are offended, it doesn't just offend our emotions. It actually offends a belief that we have. How do I know this? Okay, you may have said this out loud to somebody. It's okay if you have. Or you may have just thought it internally. When they offend you, you say, 
I cannot believe my mother-in-law said that to me. Doesn't she know? And then we, we state a belief. I'm, car- I'm carrying her grandchild. I, I have her grandkids. Does she want to see her grandkids again? Because I can make sure she doesn't. You know, this and that. Don't, nobody in here has thought that, right? I, I didn't think so. I mean, we're a little bit more holy than that. But let me tell you, freedom comes when you understand the truth. And a lot of times, I grew up going to a Pentecostal church. We went to the youth camps where we were dancing in the aisles. We went to the front, jumping up and down. I've heard some amazing preachers, amazing preachers, like orators, real, um, real students of, 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 you know, preaching and the word and all that. But almost everyone who went to these camps, after a week, the feelings wore off, and then we were back in the same place. Emotion doesn't set you free. Truth sets you free. So, um, I, I, amen. I'm, I, I really, I mean, uh, yeah, amen. You can clap. I really value teaching because that's what sets you free, not getting you all hyped up. It's when you're like, oh, wow, that's true, and then it begins to change what you believe. So I'm going to do some teaching. I'll just, I say that to, to kind of prepare you. What is, this, what is this, um, the combination of all of our beliefs about ourselves called? When you, when you look at you're good at this or you do that, the, com- the combination is called our identity. When it comes to offense, identity is the issue. That is the issue. When we have the wrong identity, we are vulnerable to offense. Jesus was able to reject all offense that came at him because he knew who he was. He realized he was the son of God. We're going to read that passage in just a second. But the reason why he was able to not get a number one, acceptance. Acceptance, we internally ask this question. Will I be accepted, loved unconditionally? How many of y'all know that we all feel the need to be accepted somewhere? It's a group of friends, um, in, in our marriage, at work, we have this need. And the place I think we begin to realize that we need to be accepted is in this traumatic place called middle school. How many of y'all know that Middle school is just a tough place to be because children are becoming self-aware about themselves, what they like, what they look like, and they try to fit in. It's funny. Um, it was my sister's birthday yesterday, so happy birthday, Elsa. Elsa. If you don't know, Elsa is our children's pastor, and she basically helps um, lead uh, our, all of our pastors and teams. She's really important here at Kingdom, so anyways, I love you, and I really appreciate you. Yesterday, we had a little birthday party, and Isaac asked um, those that were there to tell any, any stories they had about Elsa. And my mom brought up the story. I'm glad she did, because it kind of fits in with the sermon today. She told this story about my sister. And she said, uh, when Elsa was like in third or fourth grade, or second, or I guess younger, she loved to play with dolls. And she had this, was it an American Girl doll? What was it called? No, it was a ragged doll. Oh, rag, 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 uh, rag doll, yeah, ragged. yeah. And so she, this doll was named Emily, and she would take this doll everywhere she went, even up until third, fourth grade. Well, she said one time that my mom said one time that they were about to go to church, and Elsa took this doll everywhere, and she just left the doll sitting on the bed. And she said, Elsa, are you not, are you not if we're being honest, if people knew our deepest, darkest secrets, we would have this fear. And, you know, it would probably be a a rational fear because maybe they wouldn't accept us. Did you know Jesus knows everything about you and still accepts you no matter what? You see how only God can meet that need? 
Only God can. We will look to our spouse, we look to, look to these things. We try to manipulate situations so we can feel accepted. Only God can meet that need. Number two is security. Will I be okay? This is what we ask. We look to people and things to make us feel safe. We'll look to our job to see if we can have the right job, the right um, 401k, the right health benefits. We look to the right people. This is a big need when it comes to marriage. Women will marry a man who makes them feel secure. Is that true, ladies? You want to be with somebody who's going to take care of you and, and makes you feel safe. Men, honestly, men, it's the same thing. We may not say it, but it's, it, that's, that is part of it. The problem with that is that people are mortals, we're going to die, and we're going to let other people down. We're sinful. So if you're putting security in a person and they decide to leave out of your life or they pass away, you're going to have some problem. What the creator could tell him, it could tell him exactly what he was created for. There are a lot of people who are doing things that are breaking them because they're not going to the creator to give them purpose. Number four is identity. We're going to focus on that this morning. This question asked, who am I? Now, this who and purpose are very closely related, and this is how. We need to know who we are, our identity, so we can know what we're supposed to do. Okay? That saw is a great analogy. There are different things we look to for identity. We may look to our profession, and men are infamous for this. Um, I'm not going to go into that part, but we look to our profession. Some of us are healthcare workers. Some of us are construction workers. Some of us are doctors, photographers, business owners. If we're not careful, we can look to these things to give us our identity. We look to relationships. Oh, I'm a parent, or I'm, I'm a parent to this child, or I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a grandparent. We can look to interests, hobbies. We can look to different skills. Well, I'm an athlete. Uh, you may have been uh, an athlete in, in high school or middle school or whatever, and so people still see you as that. Maybe you still excel when you're playing one-on-one -on -one or you're on the golf course. They know you to be the best golfer. If we're not careful, that can be our identity. Hard worker, singer, musician. I mentioned this last week. We'll pray again at the end of this sermon, but there are some things spoken over us when we are younger, and, and maybe our parents said something to us, mom or dad said something that was not true or mean, and we accepted that, well, you'll never be good enough. We've carried that, and it, is, and it has caused us to think, to work harder so that we can prove that, 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 that person wrong. We can even get spiritual. Well, I go to church. I'm a giver. I'm a leader. I'm a servant. All of these things are good, but, and they define some things about ourselves, but they should not describe who we are. Something else we do is we look around and, and we look inward and we join ourselves to something that we feel is our identity, right? So I'm sure everyone in here has done this. We look at these different things, well, I'm good at that, or people at my job see me a certain way, and so we look outside, and we look inward, and we look, okay, well, I feel this is my, because for so long their identity was that they were a parent or a grandparent, and we have this, this issue. Another one is, how many, I don't know how many people know, have uh, conversations or know homeless people, but many homeless people were very successful. Many of them had businesses. Many of them had great jobs. What happened? They lost something that gave them their identity, and now they are living out an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. You see how important it is for God to give us our identity? Because if, if we look to other things, we get lost. Only God can tell you who you are. These things will describe traits about us, but they should not define, they should not get to that, that very core um, issue of who we really are. Now, what is our identity? I'm going to just list a few things, 
And then, but I want to focus on one. If you are a believer, you are part of the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12. We are all one church. We're equal with one another. God has called us to be part of this. I talked about that earlier. Number two, we're the bride of Christ. Did you know you are married to Jesus? I, I, I talked about this earlier this year, but did you know your marriage with Jesus is more real than the marriage you have here in this lifetime? Did you know you're going to be married to Jesus longer than the person you're married to right now or the person you want to be married to? Did you know I'm married? I'm single, but I am more married. We are more married than, than any earthly marriage could have. We are the bride of Christ. Number three, we're kings and priests. We're going to rule and reign with Jesus forever. First Corinthians 3, it says we are co-laborers with Christ. We are also sufferers with Christ in 1 Peter 2. And then last week we talked about we are servants with Christ, Philippians 3. It does not matter. I'm telling you, I'm Hispanic, and I, don't, I may have been um, offended or, or seen a certain way because of the color of my skin, but I've learned it doesn't matter. I belong to Jesus. He is my identity. It doesn't matter. I think it's okay to talk about it, and, but at the end of the day, we're going to have a reward in heaven Amen. for us. I would rather be persecuted, literally persecuted, physically persecuted for the rest of my life, knowing that there's a reward in heaven waiting for me. I, <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. We are not equal. I'm sorry, church. I hope uh, that may offend some people. Hopefully, you're in the perfect sermon for this. This may offend. <laughs> you may offend some people, but the person next to you is better than you himself. The whole show is about a young man trying to prove himself because his dad was not there for him and, did, and wasn't. And eventually the dad came back on the scene on a, whole, a couple of years if you want to see the thing. But he, this dad ends up dying and it throws a whole no, another uh, wrench in, 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 in the machine. And I thought, man, all these shows that are really good have to do with real life situations. And I began to realize that there are some things that are very important to us that we have to receive from our Father. Really important. Not, this is not a sermon specifically about that. But fathers, you may not realize this, but you are modeling God to your family. I've heard so many testimonies of this. People don't want to come to God because, well, if, if God is like my dad, I don't want anything to do with him. We are wired that way. It's just the way we are. God created our fathers and mothers to model Christ to us. And as I was preparing for this message, I thought about this. To my knowledge, none of my siblings have ever, well, None of us have walked away from the Lord. We've all gone through some things. We haven't like walked away for, for months or years. But to my knowledge, none of us have ever questioned if God is real. Have you ever? I don't think Mark and John either. We have never questioned. You know why? Because my father showed us by his actions that God was real. This is hard. There's some, if some of our kids in our home don't believe in God, it's because we have not modeled Jesus to them. A lot of times we want to send our kids to youth, to church, and we want church, you have a responsibility to teach, to tell your kids Bible stories. 
When they come to Sunday school, they should say, oh yeah, I've read that before. I've heard that story before. You are responsible. I'm telling you, when we get to heaven one day, we're going to have, if we have kids, God is going to ask us to give an account. How did you raise them to know me? Did you even think about it? Because we know our father many times through our, our personal fathers. It's critical to understand that we are his children. For John uh, 1 verse 12, it says, But to all who did in the Old Testament, and God is speaking, he says, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from the midst and be separate from these people who don't, are not God's children. Unpopular fact, did you know not everyone on this planet is God's child? You read that and you hear, oh, we're all God's children. No, you're only God's child. John 1 verse 12, when we receive and believe uh, the one who was sent from the Father, which is Jesus. We're all God's creation, yes, and we're made in his image to a degree, but we are not all God's children. Verse um, Verse 17, it says, therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Verse 18, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Did you know we have a perfect father in heaven who loves us? Did you know the devil is very interested in you not knowing that? He's very interested in you only maybe hearing it up here in your ears and you're thinking about it, but not receiving it in your heart. I, I know I've told this story before, and I probably will always tell it. This, what I'm talking about today, is what actually transformed me. I remember I was 15, and I was thinking about it a couple days ago. I think I actually, this is when I got saved. I was at, I was at a youth camp, and this pastor, it was a kind of Pentecostal youth camp, a different Pentecostal youth camp, but still one that got you moving. But something he said spoke to me and stuck with me. He said, you are, he was talking to a group of leaders. He said, you are sons of God. You are daughters of God. You are the head and not the tail. And something about what he said resonated in my spirit. And I realized, whoa. And if you are his, that means you're a prince or you're a princess. And you have authority and power that, again, the devil does not want you to understand. If you knew that, would you ever have a bad day again? You would never have a bad day again. I remember when I, when I um, went to Hawaii, I, it, was the, it was the beginning of 2018 before we started the church. And I went to Hawaii, and for the first time in like, well, honestly, since I was 12, I was 30, uh, 29 at that time, since I was 12, for the first time, I was not a leader at church I was not a pastor. I was not a pastor's kid. I did not have any of the things that had been my identity for 18 years, uh, 17, 18 years. And I remember when I got there and I realized, wow, I'm okay. I, God had taken away everything that could give me identity, and I realized that I was still his son, and I realized that that truth satisfied me. And I thought, wow, I don't need these things. And even after we started the church and God reminded me, he said, he said, Josh, you don't need this platform. And I joked earlier, I know, I know where Jordan is, Jordan's over here with the camera. I said, if the Lord were to say, Josh, I want you to, uh, next month, next year, I want Jordan to be the pastor and I want you to give the church to him. It was defined by his father, Matthew 3, verse 16. It says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And the Father said this, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. 
This is amazing. Did you know that before Jesus was a savior, he was a son? It was his first identity. Did you know that Jesus was able to be tempted the very next chapter? Read the end. It's uh, uh, Matthew 3, 15, 16, and 17. And then Matthew uh, 4, verse 1 talks about Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted. Did you know that Jesus was able to be tempted? He was fasting 40 days, hadn't eaten anything, drank very little. He was able to resist the temptation from the devil because he knew his identity. Did you know Jesus was able to perform all these miracles because he knew who he was? Did you know Jesus was able to go to the cross? reject offense because you know who he was and this is amazing i hadn't really thought about this you may think man jesus was really was really um brave which he absolutely was the bravest man who has ever lived but he knew that he was only going to be separated from the father for three days he was secure and and i realized this even jesus was secure in the father he was separated yes for three days four days it was the hardest four days any human has ever experienced, but he knew he was going to raise from the dead. He was secure in that. You see how God, the Father, met that need? He meets our needs. We are sons and daughters of God. Now, I want to go back to the statement. I want to end with this. This was the, the, conclu- the conclusion of last week's sermon, but the root of offense is having an opinion about ourselves that is not God's opinion about us. We looked at Saul. Remember King Saul? He was the king of Israel. But he was very insecure. How come he was insecure? Because he didn't understand how God saw him. You can go back and listen or you can go back and read it. He didn't know, really understand, even though he had the, that's, that's amazing to me. He had servants, he had kingdoms, he had wives, he had all these things, but he still did not believe in here that God had made him to be king, which made him insecure. We are wired a certain way. Remember, we didn't create ourselves. God created us. He created us, and so he knows what we need. We can go to all these things to fulfill us and give us identity, but the end is going to fall short. Even though in this moment we may have money in our account, we may be successful in our job, we may have our, all of our relationships are good, but if we are finding our identity in any of those things, God's standards up here, we are created to, to have our, our identity fulfilled all the way up here, but if we go to our opinion, it's always going to fall a little short doesn't matter how successful you are. You could be the king like Saul and have everything at your disposal. It's going to fall short. So that leaves a little window of what? Feeling offended. The reason it, it leads to insecurity is because your own identity can't make you feel secure. It, it always leaves a door for the enemy to come in. You can't fulfill yourself. Only God can. So when someone offends us, we feel attacked, right? When someone offends us, say something, we feel attacked because our opinion is not strong enough or high enough to stop the accusations from coming over the wall. Does that make sense? That's, this is how it happens. We, we can't prescribe our identity enough because it's not big enough to keep us from the offense. So we, whenever we are offended, we feel like something is missing, which leads us to doing something about it. Offense leads to my second point. When we have our own identity, we have to protect it or we risk having an identity crisis. Imagine being responsible for your own identity. Imagine being responsible to make sure that you keep your job, you still have... Very carefully, we, try to, we think we're trying to prove something to somebody, but the truth is we're trying to prove something to ourselves. I hope somebody got that. When we get offended, we're trying to prove something to ourselves. If you are secure, 
Imagine this. If you are secure and someone offends you, why should it matter? If it does matter, it shows that you're insecure because you're trying to, you're trying to build up your identity to this, to this level that only God can fulfill us at. Everything else falls short. It's almost like there's a window and the enemy is like, okay, I can come up here. He's not finding his full security identity in me, so in, in the Lord. So I'm going to just throw this and I'm going to, and it leads to offense. If we are secure, we shouldn't have to care whether people say or do things about us because we're secure. And we trick ourselves to think, oh, I'm this and that. Apparently you're not because you're reacting to it. The way we build ourselves up is the way we can be torn down. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. He says, if you try to build up this life and this identity, you're going to lose it. But if you give it and you give it and you, and you say, Lord, this life doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you. You will find it. Jesus said, or Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. What about, what about receiving God's identity keeps us from offense? His identity fills us, and we know that he protects us. So when people say or do things that hurt us, we are truly able to say, it doesn't matter. Like, it, I, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way about me. I'm sorry you said that to me, but it doesn't hurt me because I am fulfilled in who God says that I am. God is on a mission for us to know what he thinks about us because when he sees when we, realize what he's, what he, when we realize what he thinks about us, it sets us free. Look at Psalm 139, verse 17. It says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. When we understand what God says about us, he says, they're precious to me. It sets me free. It keeps me from offense, keeps me from anger, keeps me from fear, keeps me from all these things that are trying to tear me down. You know, what the church, you know what the world's problem is, church? And many people in the church fit into this category. We have a world of orphans running around. They don't know that they can have somebody who will protect them and take care of them. So they feel the need to lash out. Hey, that was my spot. Hey, that's my man. I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to go beat you up because they don't know they have a father who's going to take care of them. The Lord... The Lord wants to adopt some people today. Yes. He wants you to understand that you're fully accepted, fully loved, fully secure. You have an identity. You are to him. The root of offense is not knowing who your father, who your father says you are. That's it. If you can understand what God thinks about you, it sets you free. You will let people cut you off all day long. You'll let people take advantage of you. Because you say, hey. I'm here to serve just like my father. Jesus came and he was a servant. I'm going to be just like him and I'm going to get the same reward that he, that he got. Philippians 2 verse 8, it says, um, but into, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the poor and the death, even death on a cross. Because he made himself a servant, he went to the cross. But the next verse, it says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. Because of what Jesus on the cross he was given the highest name that anyone could have. I'm telling you, there is a great reward when we accept our identity as his sons and daughters and servants to the, all the people who are around us. Amen. How much you just